Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Bethlehem. Thank you for inviting me here to be able to speak with you on this last Sunday of 2023. And I know it's a short service, so I'm going to be really concise and straight to the point in my message this morning. And just like Ian mentioned, you know, that the completion of our, our building anchor point, this headquarters, is really what's kind of the Holy Lord's been speaking to me in this season as we're ending this new year. I've said it multiple times to our, our congregation. I kind of feel like Noah when he, when he was told to build the ark. He probably thought building the ark was the biggest part of his calling. And then he hits dry land and then God says, go, multiply and fill the earth. The mission didn't even start until we hit a dry land. I feel that's where we are as Batal. The, the headquarters is the ark and we've hit dry land. And now it's time to ask God, how would you have us use this building? And I really just believe it's a time to not just look at our plans that we've made as a team, as a leadership team. We make these plans of what we want the building to be and what we want the building to do. But Simultaneously to that, I believe it's a time to attune our prophetic ear to inspire the plans and the manuals that we have set out to do. So I want to take this opportunity to share with you what the Lord has been speaking to me over the past few months as we head towards this year's end. And we've been sensing for us as a church and a ministry that we are in this Kairos moment have you just heard how we got you know, the, the money to finish the rest of the building? And I, I could probably spend the next 20 minutes telling you of how moment after moment we've prayed and we've sought for God where we had no way forward and God has just made a way. It's these moments. And a kairos moment is an ancient Greek word. And the meaning for it is like the right opportune moment. Or for them it meant the supreme moment. It was the most vital moment. And in the New Testament, kairos means the appointed time and the purpose of God, it's the time when God acts. And I believe that we are in a time of the appointed time of God's purpose. And God is ready to act. In NC4, I believe you are in this Kairos moment. I had a whole different message I was going to preach this morning. It was called Return of the King. Sent all my PowerPoints and stuff. And when I got her, I felt something different on my heart. And I begin to ask Ian, hey, why don't you give me some prophetic words? What are your four, three or four prophetic words you guys are really believing for yourselves as a church? And I want to read them and I want to pray over them. And I believe NC4 is in a Kairos moment. You are in the opportune moment to take hold of the appointed time and the purpose of God in this new season that God is leading you into. And how many of you, how many of you who are a part of this congregation believe that there is a prophetic mandate over you as a church? There is prophetic direction over you as a church. But it's a time to not just hear prophetic direction and call, but it's time to active, actively step into what God is calling us prophetically to fulfill. And there's a time for both. There's a time to hear the word, to meditate on the word, to discern the word. And when the Kairos moment hits you, when God is ready to act, his people must move with him. And you can see this through many characters in the Bible, and particularly Moses, who I'm going to look at this morning. 
They all had a Kairos moment with God, an opportunity to take hold of God's appointed time and to act and birth the purpose and calling for that person for the people. And more often than not, that was activated by an encounter with the presence of God. And that brings me to the title of my sermon this morning. It's called The Risk to Draw Near. And I'm going to make that clear as we go. And what I've been sensing prophetically that the Lord is saying is, get ready. It's time to seek the Lord. And I'll be honest with you, when I heard that, I just thought, oh, it's it's pretty simple. Get ready. It's time to seek the Lord. I mean, you seek the Lord every day, right? But I felt the Lord say to me, Jason, you keep seeking me to acquire my presence, to attain my presence, but you already have it. I want you to seek for a deeper awareness of my presence. And there's a huge difference. Brothers and sisters, I believe the Lord wants to say the same to each and every one of us this morning. The seeking, the pursuit of the Lord isn't to attain his presence, because we already have that if we're in Christ Jesus. It's about the awareness of his presence. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, that can be a struggle to be aware of his presence, to be so deeply aware of his presence in every particular situation that we face, our hardships, our hopes, our dreams, the things we're still waiting for. It's so much distraction around us every day. We can be more aware of the presence of work commitments, stress, anxiety, our low self-esteem, financial pressure. I mean, the list can go on of the other things that we're more aware of than the presence of God. And there is an opportunity to become deeply aware of his presence, to be equipped, empowered, and encouraged to step into what God has for us. So the, tr- the question I want to ask you is, do you believe God can use you in this new season? It's time to get ready. So if you could turn with me to the book of Exodus, if you have your Bibles. We're going to look at chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. It should come up on the screen. Now Moses was watching the the flock of Jephro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Kairos moment. Why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land. A land flown of milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. 
And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. This is the word of the Lord. So my first point is the end is the beginning. We have to get to the end of something in order to enter into something that's new. We're believing for a new season. So if a new season is coming, there has to come to an end of something as well. Now in verse 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jephro, his father-in-law. Now literally in the Hebrew, it says he was watching the sheep of Jephro, his father-in-law. And this is significant because the word in the Hebrew for watching, it's a verb that's used it's like has, it conveys continuance. So it therefore, a, probably a better translation would be, and Moses was watching and watching and watching the sheep of his father-in-law, Jephro. That's, kind of, that's what it's kind of conveying to us. Like Moses, I mean, this man's whole life was about watching sheep. If you think your job is mundane, remember Moses. Moses is watching and watching, no, no iPhones back then, so he couldn't scroll Instagram while his sheep were feeding. He had to watch them. It gives a sense that Moses' life has hit a stalemate or a dead end. Now, Moses' story didn't begin like this. If you know the story, Pharaoh ordered all Hebrew newborn male babies. They needed to be thrown into the river Nile. But Moses' mother made a little boat for him and sent him down the Nile inside of it. He was found and adopted by one of Pharaoh's daughters, and he was raised in the royal house of Pharaoh. He got a top-flight education, and he was young. He was a rising leader. He had friends in high places. His life was really going somewhere. You could say he landed on his feet, right? But there's a plot twist. Later in life, he discovers his true identity as a Hebrew. And he realizes it's his people being oppressed and enslaved. And he wanted to help. He wanted to be their savior. But one day he saw an Egyptian beaten up an Israelite. And in a fit of rage, he kills the Egyptian. Then the next day he saw two Hebrew men fight. And he asked, he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Now Moses, as far as he knew, he's lost everything now. The life he thought was his as an Egyptian turned out to be a lie. And in his own effort to be his people's savior, he becomes a murderer and then they reject him. And as a consequence, he had to run for his life into the desert. And now we pick him up her 40 years, that was 40 years earlier, or 40 years later, and his entire life is going on a detour. And now it's at a dead end. He's reached the end. He's watching and watching and watching the sheep of his father-in-law, Jephro. At this point, everything about him is gone. He's an 80-year-old man now. 
probably feels any opportunity to do something is gone. I mean, if God ever wanted to use him, that time had passed. In some sense, Moses is a failed, forgotten old man, squeezing out a living in a forgotten part of the world. He's completely stripped of everything. Now, if you look at Moses for how he is right now in this moment, he's stripped of all the essential qualities that you or I would say would be required for him to be a leader. He's done. 80-year-old man, he's been watching sheep for 40 years now, what he knows about leadership, what he knows about saving his people. Nevertheless, here comes that Kairos moment, that opportune God moment when God is ready to act. And this is the risk to draw near. When Moses encounters the presence of God in the burning bush and God says, now you're ready. To an 80-year-old man who probably feels like his life is done, God says, now you're ready to go back to Egypt, to the most powerful nation in the world at that time. He says, now you're ready to go and set my people free. He's been stripped back to nothing. And God says, now you're ready. I want to send you to Pharaoh to bring my people out. Now that you have reached the end, now you are ready to start something new. And I believe God has to strip us back to the end of something in order to bring us to a place where we can step into the new something. And this is the risk to draw near. See, when God brings us to the end of something in order to begin something new, it's generally always something that we feel we are completely not ready to do. This national headquarters of ours has been completed. There's a, we believe prophetically God has directed us and what it wants us to be. And we, it, it feels way bigger than I am capable of fulfilling or accomplishing. And sometimes you want to make that make you feel as if like, God, I, I don't think I'm the right man for the job. You know, so-and-so, you know, he, he, he seems way more educated than me. He seems to be a lot more personable than me. Maybe he's the man for the job. And God will continue to say, no, no, you are right. See, that's the risk to draw near to God. Because when we draw near to God, he's not concerned about my comfort. He's more concerned about his plan for this church, for my life, for your life. And to get there, we have to get out of our comfort zone. The risk to draw near is the risk to lose our comfort. So the first insight I want to pull out from this passage, it might be startling, or it might be offensive to your ears. And that is, we're never of any use to God until we feel absolutely useless in general. And what I mean that is, we're never of any use to God until we have come to the end of ourselves and we let go and we let God. Because we've got plans. But how we get together as leadership team, at least once a week, every few months, a big meeting, we make plans. This is what we want this to look like. This is what we want this to do. God hears our plans. He honors plans. But he's also happy to do his own plan. That's very uncomfortable for me because I don't really like change. Not that fast. 
I'd like to know where I'm going, what I'm doing. What, I, what should I expect, God? And God says, just get ready. It's time to seek the Lord. I mean, coming to the end of ourselves is one of the first steps to becoming a Christian, right? I mean, the gospel says to come to the end of, the end of yourself, which is repentance. That's saying I'm lost and I need a savior. I mean, the basis of our relationship with Jesus is complete dependence on him. And simultaneously, coming to the end of ourselves is the first step to entering into what God has for us. And like I said, I asked Ian the other day, hey, give me some of your you know, key prophetic words. I want to read them. I want to pray over them. And just two things, I, I, I think there's a lot in there. There's a lot of powerful, beautiful things God wants to do. It's just two things I want to draw out of there. One, it simply says, you're stepping into a new season. So God wants to take you somewhere you haven't been before. And another part, it came up in different ways. It says, throw away your manuals. Let go and be dependent on God. Now, that's not to say don't have manuals, don't have plans, but hold on to it loosely and let God move through them. Like I said, we've been going through a similar season in Batal. We've, like, we've got these plans, but God, show us. Show us how do we activate your purposes for your glory. We have a plan, but take our plans. We put our plans on the altar. Burn it and purify it, Lord. Bring forth what is yours and what is, what is ours. Burn it. Look, if we can't get to that place, no, no, sorry, go back up. Like I said to my church, we need to find ourselves in a place where we feel useless, we feel spent, that place where we give up trying to figure it all out. Because if we can't get to that place, we won't have the humility, we won't have the self-knowledge, we won't have the wisdom nor will we have the dependence on God that we need to acquire all those things to step into the new thing. See, it's not about my wisdom. It's not about what I believe about myself. It's not about what I think is humility. It's about what is God's humility for us. It's what God says about me. It's God's wisdom over this situation. And we need that coming to the end of ourselves to put us into a place that we can acquire those things, to step into the new thing. Because sometimes you can keep hearing it's a new thing happening. You ever get that? Charismatic churches, you know, it's always a new thing happening, right? But it's not just because we repeat ourselves. Sometimes they just think it's because the church never actually steps into it. And God's just not going to change his plan. Give us a new word, God. Well, step into the new thing, I'll give you something new. That's kind of like the thing he goes. Look, Jesus tells us in John chapter 12, verses 24, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it, if, but it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. What Jesus is describing is the process to come into the end of ourselves to be useless. I mean, to be useful. There's an author and a pastor called John Stark. He wrote this. He says, when a seed is buried in the ground, it looks dead and dormant. You would think that's the end. But of course, the dormancy is fruitful. If you didn't know what the seed was supposed to do, you'd think that burying it in the ground was the end of the story. But the seed actually becomes what it was meant to be, a great tree that bears much fruit. 
See, coming to the end of ourselves is like burying a seed. You think it's the end of the story. But it's not the end of the story. It's us stepping into what we've always meant to be in the hands of God. We need a greater awareness of God's presence to lead us into the end and into the beginning. My second point, God is a God of fiery reality. So why does God appear as fire? That's what it tells us right in the beginning. It says, the Lord appeared to Moses in flames of fire from from within the bush. So why does God choose to appear as fire? And there are a lot of reasons. Don't have time to get into all of it, but I'm going to look at one. Up until now, I believe Moses knew about God. He knows about God. His father-in-law is a priest. But he'd never actually encountered him. The God of the Bible is a God who is not someone we should only know about in the abstract, but we need to encounter him. And the thing about fire is, it slaps all of our senses, all of them pretty much. I mean, with fire, you see its brightness, you feel its heat, you smell the smoke, and you can hear the roar of the fire. You don't just believe in fire, you experience fire. Fire makes you aware of its presence. And this is where I believe Moses went from attaining God's presence into a life-changing encounter with the awareness of God's presence. Look, it's one thing to believe that human beings are sinful. It's another thing completely to be convicted that you're a sinner. It's one thing to believe that Jesus died for us. It's another thing to be so aware of that reality in such a way that it revolutionizes the way we live and we see the world. Moses went from mental ascent to a life-changing awareness of God's presence. And brothers and sisters, in order for us to step into what God is calling us to do and become, we need an encounter that will slap all of our senses to the awareness of God's presence. Look, we can believe God has spoken a prophetic word over us. But let me tell you, it's a whole other thing to be aware of his presence within those words and over us, so much so that they guide and influence our decisions, our manuals, and our steps forward. Whenever we're together and we're planning ahead for Batal, we're making all these decisions. Someone will always say on the team, but we believe, but don't forget the prophetic word God has spoken over us, where God wants to take us. How does that affect it? If we make that decision, how does that affect that? How does that get us to his purpose? Look, it's only by God's presence can we equip, encourage, and empower one another to take hold of what God has for us. NC4, get ready. It's time to seek the Lord. And the kids are getting restless. Let's get the worship team up. My one's stripping half naked of her. 
She's feeling the fire of the presence. She's like, it's too hot. It's too hot. <laughs> Look, I believe the Lord is inviting us into a deeper awareness of his presence. I believe we are in a Kairos moment, God's supreme moment to act. Let me ask you two questions. Do you believe God still has a purpose for your life? Do you believe God has a role for you in the new thing that he wants to do in this church? One of you guys' tagline is, everyone's in the game. Do you believe that? Do you believe God has called you up to play? And I shared a bit of this in the men's breakfast. I'm, I'm going to share it now. You know, you can hear those kind of things. And you can begin to doubt that, innit? You hear everyone's in the game. God's doing a new thing. God's going to do all this stuff. You can let that go right over the top of your head as, as if like you don't have a part to play in that. Are you doubting yourself? Are you like Moses and you're saying, well, I've just been watching and watching and watching. That's a good place to be in. That means you've reached the right end for God to begin something new in you. And you know what? And Moses began to doubt as well, didn't he? When God said, go, he had all his ifs and his buts. What if they don't listen to me? But this and but that. And God just said something so simple to him. He just said, what is in your hand? And Moses had a shepherd's staff, a very humble instrument. It's a stick. And God said, with that stick, with that very ordinary, humble implement, I am going to do great things through you. So I ask you, what is in your hands? What is in your hand that God would use to put you in the game? I'm going to close with this one quote from Tim Keller. He says, To stand in the presence of God, that is what the gospel is. The gospel is not primarily about forgiveness. It's not primarily about good feelings. It's not primarily about power. All those things are byproducts, sparks. It's primarily about the presence of God. Let's stand, everyone. Are we ready to let God light a fire in our lives? Amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word JESUS to 610-816-6062.